Well, you guys ready to get in the Word of God this morning? Wow, we're talking about faith. I love to talk about faith. God's making it very simple how to walk and live in the faith of God. How to use the faith of God which comes from hearing His Word to lay hold of everything that God has for you. And God has great things for you. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, open your Bibles up. Open your Bibles up to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse verse 1. Now, we're talking about the building blocks of faith, and we're right now, we're still talking about what faith is. And I'll tell you, we can't talk about it enough. So that's a building block, that's a foundation. Then we're going to talk about how faith comes or how you get faith. And then we're going to talk about how to release your faith. Because see, faith comes by hearing the word of God. But then when you lay hold of things, you release your faith. And that, when you release your faith, then it goes into the unseen realm. And we seize hold of the promises of God. And we have them. And that's how faith will give substance to them. So we've had many definitions. We've been really camping on this definition that faith gives substance to the thing that you're expecting. And you're expecting it because God said it. So if you have a situation in your life, all you need to do is go to the word of God, which is his will, right? And you find two to three scriptures that promise you that what you need, he's already provided. Once you have that, that's all you need, right? Because now you take that and you put your faith in that. You're not putting your faith looking at your circumstance. You're not attaching your faith to your circumstance. You're attaching your faith to the unseen word of God, and it will cause your circumstance to change as as faith will give substance to that which you hope for or expect, right? So as an example, if you're believing God, let's say you have symptoms in your body, physical symptoms in your body. Let's say you're dealing with something, some sickness, some disease, some weakness, or let's say you're facing depression, anxiety, panic attacks, whatever, you go to the word of God and you find out what the word of God says. And amazing, with healing of any kind, it's all over the book. Hundreds of of passages, stories that talk about how God is a healer. Well, we get the word of God. He sent his word and healed me, right? Psalm 107, 20. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law by being made a curse for me. And Deuteronomy 28, we know the curse of the law includes all sickness and all disease, right? It even says in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, that Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain. That is the Holy Spirit's commentary on Isaiah 53, Verse 4 through 6, that great redemptive chapter that tells us, surely he's borne our sickness and carried our pain. It goes on to say, and with his stripes we are healed. Then 1 Peter 2.24, and at the end of the New Testament says, by whose stripes you were healed. And you start to realize as you meditate on those scriptures You say them over and over. You keep your eyes on them. You never let them depart from your eyes. You never let them depart from your mouth. You incline your ear to them. You keep them in the midst of your heart. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit down on the inside of you will open the word of God. And when he opens God's word, the entrance or the opening of his word brings light right? And, and then, then all of a sudden, light, it lights your spirit, and you see it. Now, no longer here, but you see it down on the inside of you, and you actually hear 
the very word of God for the first time when he opens it and revelation comes. And when you hear, my son, by my stripes, you're healed. My daughter, by my stripes, you're made whole. You'll hear that on the inside of you and faith comes. And faith enables you to lay hold of the unseen, something that you can't perceive with your senses. Faith will give substance to it. That's what we're talking about. We want to go further into that today. So you ready? Amen. Amen, amen. So, Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Isn't it amazing how even reading that now makes more sense than it did a couple weeks ago? Right? Because it's building. Everything with God gets very simple. It's amazing. The greatest teacher can take something and make it simple. Something that created the universe. God used faith, right? With his words and framed the universe, but yet he says this is for whosoever. So Hebrews, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Literally, if you break those Greek words down, it says now faith, you could say it this way, now faith gives substance to the thing that I'm expecting. It is the proof that I have what I can't see or perceive with my senses. That's what faith is. It gives substance. So we've said a lot of things. And we finished last week by saying this. You must take the step of believing to come to the place of knowing. Okay? So we want to keep going with this. See, many, many of us, want, we want to know first and then we'll believe. No, no, no. Believing comes first. You have to choose to believe. Right? So turn over to John chapter 20. I want to I wanna talk about two individuals in the Bible. The first one is Thomas, and we want to see this story of how Jesus dealt with Thomas. Okay? So John chapter, John chapter 20, we'll start in verse 24. John 20, 24 says this. It says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Now this is talking about after the resurrection of Christ, Jesus appeared to his disciples, but Thomas wasn't there, right? So this is, this is kind of coming up to this place. The other disciples therefore said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord, but Thomas responded to them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand in his side, I will not believe. Wow. But many people are there today. They're like, you know, I just, I have to see it to believe it. Right? So much of our academic community and medical community is right there. I've had, I've had doctors and medical professionals say to me, I've had college professors say to me, you don't understand, I live in a world where I just deal with facts. I feel sorry for somebody like that. Because there's more to this life than facts. The truth of God's word changes facts. Where now, we're not talking about positive thinking, we're talking about unlimited thinking. Listen, this, this thing is not over until we win. Why? Because we've already won. It's already over and we've already won. We just can't see it, right? So let's keep going with this. What caused Thomas to be in this place? We really have to break this down to understand this because we can't live this way. We'll never lay hold of anything this way. Thomas's wrong thinking would not allow him to choose to believe. This is why you have to guard your thought life. 
you have to take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ, which is into the obedience of the word. What do I mean by that? Any thought that is contrary to this, you take it captive. How do you take it captive? By saying, it is written. Right? If you're having, let's say, depression many times, people will get into this thing where they, they feel out of control, but they're, but they're in this word of faith stream, so they're like, well, I can't take any medicine because I wouldn't be in faith. But yet the Bible doesn't say faith comes by not taking medicine. What do you do in that situation? You're a, you're a believer, so you're led by the Spirit of God. But I'll tell you this, you find out that great peace have they that love the word of God and nothing will offend them. And, that, and, and where the word of God says, listen, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a, a sound mind. That word literally is translated soundness of mind. You could lay hold of that. And then when that thought comes, man, here, I'm, I'm kind of going here. There's a panic attack coming on me. No, 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 no. I, I reject that because it is written, he has given me soundness of mind. His peace mounts guard over my heart and my mind. When a pain hits your body and a thought comes, this thing seems like it's getting worse. You respond by it is written and it will eradicate the thought. Now the thought might come back, that's okay. Having done all to stand, you just keep standing. I tell Satan that all the time. I'm not moving. Right? You know that I know. So you're moving. I'm not moving because the greater one's in me. Right? And how long do you stand? Having done all to stand, you stand. Right? To be honest with you, I'm going to stand, you're going to stand every day of our life on this earth. So what happens, we face something and we stand. And then when that's gone, we face something else and we stand, and then we just keep standing. Does that make sense? So this is, this is very important. The statement Thomas made was a result of wrong thinking and wrong believing. Right? Because he was around when Jesus said, listen, I'm going to die and be raised again. He was told that, but he didn't see that. Wrong thinking will always rob people of the truth. And this is why Satan will use people, circumstances, the media, TV, movies. He'll, the whole society, the whole world system is designed to create fear, which will produce unbelief that God's word is not true. So that's where we're living at, but we live in the kingdom of God in that world, right? Faith is a product of right thinking. So here is the way it works. If you confess and speak your feelings, your spiritual strength will diminish. Have you ever noticed that? But... If you speak the word of God, spiritual strength, it brings strength into your life. We have to realize that. Because what happens is we think about wrong things and then we start getting frustrated and before you know it, you're just spewing nonsense. Why is God doing this? Why that? Why, why me? All this stuff and in that position, it's robbing you of the truth. Spiritual strength is a result of right thinking. Spiritual weakness is a result of wrong thinking. And here's the good news. You, you decide. Satan doesn't decide. Your parents don't decide. Society doesn't decide. You decide what you're going to think. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. Let's look at verse 26. It's like, that would have been a great time. Pastor, amen. Man, amen. 
That is so good. That's okay. Well, maybe there'll be another time for you to do that. Yeah, we'll just, we'll work on that. Praise, praise God, right? So after eight days, verse 26, again, his disciples were within. Now, I love this story because eight days pass and we see Jesus show up just for Thomas. Met Thomas right where he was and lifted him up to another level. That's a principle that you see in the New Testament. You see it all over the ministry of Jesus. And he's the same. He did it when he was alive. He did it when he was alive after the resurrection. Guess what he's doing right now? So if you're in a wrong place, guess what? He'll be right there. And he won't jump on you and get all mad at you. No, no, he'll meet you right where you are. He will, he will drop everything and come and meet with you. And by his spirit, he'll meet you right where you are and he'll say, listen, here, let me, let me meet you where you are, but let me bring you up to a new level. That's what God does. So let's look at this. So after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Now, I would have loved to see Thomas's face when they're all standing in the room and Jesus walks through the door. And Thomas is like going, oh, right? And look at what Jesus says to him. First thing he says, peace be unto you. I bet at that time, Jesus pro or Thomas probably remembered all the times when Jesus is like, where's your guy's faith? How much longer do I have to be with you? And so he's like, oh, shoot, man, I didn't buy, you know, what I said, I bet he heard it. Right? So what does Jesus say first? Thomas, come here, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> nope, he doesn't say that, does he? He says, peace be unto you. Hallelujah. Do you know that's what Jesus says to me all the time? Every time I open the Bible, it's just peace. Peace. Holy Spirit's leading you, it's always peace. Tony, relax. Just, just slow down, relax. I want to talk to you. That's what God is. I mean, you come to him. I've got eight things going on. I need an answer today, right now, or, or all of life as I know it is going to end. And God's like, great, you know, hey, peace be unto you. Come on over here, sit on my lap. We need to talk. And then he'll start talking to you about things that have nothing to do with what you need. And the reason why he's trying to get you in a place to see things as they really are, that this mountain that you're facing is not a mountain to him. So he wants to move you from comparing you to the mountain to you start comparing the mountain to him. And that's what he's trying to do, and that's what he's doing here. He says, peace be unto you. Then he said to Thomas, reach hither your finger and behold my hands. Reach hither my hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing that was the salvation message for Thomas. Because look at how he responded. Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. That's the moment that he got saved. You should read about Thomas's life. He never doubted again, right? He never doubted again. So then, boy, it's hard to preach when you're crying but there's such an anointing. Can you sense the anointing that is here today? I love that. Hallelujah. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because you've seen me, thou hast believed. But blessed are they that have not seen and have believed. In other words, Jesus just said on November 8th, 2020, to all of us that we are blessed. Because we haven't seen. But don't you believe? See, I've made the step of believing and it's it stepped me right into the place of knowing. He's real. His word is true. He's a healer. He's a provider. He'll take you from where you are to the top 
and everything. It's awesome. Thomas believed because he physically saw the resurrected Christ. We believe why? Because the word of God says it. That's why we believe the word of God says it, right? This is so important that you know this. My faith is not in what I see or hear. See, we believe it because the word says it. My faith is not in what I see. It's not in what I hear. My faith is in what God has said. If he says I'm healed, then I'm healed. I don't care what it looks like. If he says I'm prosperous, then I'm prosperous. I don't care what my bank account looks like. If he says I'm safe, then I'm safe. If he says that I am free from apprehension, that my kids are literally free from apprehension, I don't have to be worried about my kids being apprehended. Because why? The Holy Spirit will always tell me where to go, where not to go, who to hang with, who not to hang with. He'll always tell me, hey, you know what? Don't, don't let this person watch your baby or your child. We believe because he said. Man, that's such a statement. So notice the difference between Thomas's faith and Abraham's faith. Okay, so let's look at Abraham. Go to Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. Thomas only had natural human faith, which says this, I won't believe unless I see. Right? That's what, but Abraham believed God considering not his own body. He considered, that means he closely observed what God said above what he, his own body, was saying. So God came to him and told him, at 75 years old, you're gonna ha- you and Sarah are going to have a son. They've been married for years, and, and she could never have children, right? So now we fast forward, and Abram's old. You know, he's almost 100 years old, right? And, and Sarah's old. Her womb is dead, His body is dead, not producing anything, but God said. But God said. So let's read this. I'm just going to start in verse 17. It says, as it is written, and it's written in Genesis 17, 5, I have made thee a father of many nations. God told Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations before he ever had children. Right? He calls those things which be not as though they were. So this is huge. It says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him, in the Greek it would read, like unto him. What, what this, this is saying to us is Abraham, it, he was like unto God's holiness. That's, that's that phrase in the Greek, like unto him. In other words, Abraham was walking with God. He was walking like God. He was in faith. Whom he believed, even God who quickens the dead, he brings life to dead things, so it might look like it's over, but if your heart's saying, no, this is not over, then it's not over. And calls those things which be not as though they were. This is huge, right? And it says here, now that that's the language of faith. Verse 18, who against hope, who against the joyous, confident expectation, believed in hope. What is he saying here? Who against natural hope, Still expected. In other words, even though Sarah was 90, he's like 100 years old, you know, he can't produce, she can't produce. Against all that natural stuff, he still expected. He still expected. What do I mean by that? You have symptoms in your body that are, they're telling you, this has, this will be the result. 
Have you ever noticed that in the medical profession? They've, met, they've measured these things. When they make a diagnosis of something, they can tell you, okay, this is what's going to happen probably three months from now, six months from now, when, when nothing can be done. And, or, you know what, you have six weeks to live. But that doesn't apply to you as a Christian. Because who against hope, we still believe. I still expect, I don't, I don't know how it's going to happen because my body, they're saying what's wrong with me can't be fixed. But the word of God is saying, yes, 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 it's already been fixed. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Notice he became a father of many nations. Why? According to that which was spoken. Now we know, we know from other things of faith that God spoke this, but Abraham and Sarah would have had to speak it too. Right? This is why the, the Greek word confession is homo logeo. It, it's to say the same thing. You're to say the same thing about your life that God says about your life. Right? This is huge. This is faith. And it says in verse 19, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. In other words, Abraham never looked at his body or Sarah's body to tell him his answer. So stop looking at your body or your circumstance to try to see the answer. Because have you ever noticed sometimes with, with different things, sickness and disease, see, the Bible says if you could see it, it's subject to change. Have you ever, have you ever had something going on in your body where, it, man, it would start getting better? And you see people, yeah, man, this is awesome. But then all of a sudden they wake up the next day and they feel worse. Don't be moved by that. We don't, we don't look at, at the scene Right, We stay looking at the unseen because the unseen always changes the scene. Abraham did not allow his body to tell him whether or not God's word was true. And that's the way we live. This is faith. I don't care if everybody thinks I'm an idiot. If, everybody, if, if everything is just laughing and mocking and saying, he's gone off the deep end. No, 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 no. I'm not going to ever let an outside anything tell me that God's word is not true. Because his word is true. His word is not only true, it's truth. Not subject, forever settled in heaven. He said that he made you the head and not the tail. The word of God says he always causes you to triumph. The word says whoever is born of God overcomes the world system. Wow. The word of God says, right Fran? I will not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. With long life he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. So I'm not entertaining thoughts. Because his word is true. Get ready, guys. You know, this was super strong in the 70s and 80s. It was, it was still fairly strong in the 90s. And now it's not so strong. But guess what? We're going to see this be stronger than it's ever been. I, I'm, we're living in that time. You're going to walk in the faith of God and do exploits, right? And you're going to look at them and go, man, Jesus, man, that's amazing. You're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing... And people will come up to you, how in the world did you do that? And you'll smile and go, oh, I didn't. He did, right? Because he always performs his word. I believe it, I speak it, he brings it to pass, Look at, look at this, verse 20. Abraham staggered not 
That means we, we've seen this word waver in James. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Same Greek word, but right here it's the word stagger. It means to oppose, to differ or contend with. We got to stop opposing. We got to stop differing and contending with. Why? What, is, what does that look like? You have a bad day and the symptoms or your circumstances are, are just, they're all over the place. You know, you run into three people that their life is what you think your life should be. And you start giving into these thoughts, why you? Because Satan's sitting on your shoulder throwing thoughts in your mind. Why you? Why, why do you have problems with this? Why, you know, and, and all this stuff. And you start differing or opposing. Well, why did God allow this in my life? Why, you know, maybe this, maybe it's just not his will that I walk in this. We have to stop that. We don't ever allow an outside circumstance, thought, force to ever tell us if the word of God is not true or tell us if it's true or not, right? He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. That's how come believing is so important. You have to make that choice. In the Old Testament, Joshua said this, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Right? For me, as a young man, I made a decision, and this was my great faith statement. Sink or swim, live or die, I'm walking in the word of God. That's not a great faith statement, but that's where I was, and Jesus met me, right? But I made a decision, I'm going to believe. See, for me, it was believing that God loved me enough to actually do it because I felt like I was just this worthless thing that would have been better if I would have never been born. And God, see, the Holy Spirit will work on all that in your life. But you have to keep his word in your heart, in your mouth, before your eyes. Give your, right, every gate, the word of God has my undivided attention. I'm not going to listen to a bunch of nonsense. Right? If you, if you don't like living peaceful, here, it's so easy in the world. Just turn on your TV. Watch four or five hours of Fox. Pick Fox, CNN, I don't care which one you pick. It doesn't even matter. The local news, listen to any of it. Just start feeding on that. And pretty soon, man, you'll just be a mess. Right? But just feed on him. And you'll, you'll come out of being the biggest mess I remember I used to just preach thinking to myself, man, all these people, they're looking at me like, wow, you know, Pastor Tony is just so awesome. And I'm looking out thinking to myself, you know, I don't see a bigger mess than I was. It's wonderful to see how God can just turn any life right side up, right? I had a friend in California, he was a drug dealer uh, and a pretty, pretty big drug dealer. And uh, they, had, they had set up a thing. He did helicopter skiing and all this other stuff, you know, had all this, all this money, all this stuff. And uh, they had a plan. They were going to take some plastic explosives and blow the gold trumpet player off the Mormon tabernacle in Utah. And then they were going to drop it at, at some mountain, and then they would, they would land later and get it. And that, this is all going on. And, and he lived... Uh, Northern California, and he, uh, you know, into all kinds of stuff. Th this guy literally had, this guy literally, after he got saved, had a book that he would walk around with, and it was a presentation to tell people about Jesus. He would lead so many people to the Lord. I asked him one day, I'm like, I had him come speak to our youth group uh, in California. And his attitude, he goes, Tony, my attitude was, if God could save me, he could save anybody. And, and, you know, he said, I had this crazy neighbor that kept coming over telling me about Jesus. He goes, I wanted to shoot the guy and just bury him somewhere. You know, he'd, he'd pull up in my driveway. Oh, man, here he comes. You know, and all this stuff. And uh, 
Tammy, it was, it was so funny. She's like, yeah, you got to deal with him. I don't want to go out there, you know, his wife and, and everything. And so one day, Tammy goes to town in one of their vehicles. So they only had like five vehicles left, five brand new vehicles. And so he has to go somewhere. So he goes out to start his car and it doesn't start like a new, new, very nice vehicle. So he's ticked. He goes, I walked in the house, got another set of keys, went out and it didn't start. Went in again. He had three cars left. That, that new car didn't start. When he went in the next time, he said, I grabbed both of the other two keys. Because I'm like, oh, surely, come on. Right? None of them started. So he's like, man. I mean, he's ticked. He's upset. And right at the height of it, here comes this dorky neighbor. And he pulls up. And... and, and uh, he goes, hey, James, how's it going? He's like, oh, you know, F-bombs everywhere, just, you know, all throwing all this stuff. This effing thing doesn't work. And, you know, can you say effing in church? Probably not, but whatever. You guys have to forgive me. So, so you know, he's just going, oh, my gosh. You know, and the guy goes, well, where do you need to go? I'll take you. And they lived up in the mountains. And so he's like, oh. he had to go. And he's thinking, okay, I, I have to go, so I have to go with this idiot, you know. So he's in a car, and he had, he had been, this guy had tried to, tried to share Christ with him so many times, and just, he would just shut him down. So they're driving down the mountain, and this road down the mountain, it's kind of like, here's the mountain, there's a road, and then there's a cliff, right? And you, you get used to it, I guess, if you live in the mountains, so James is sitting there, and the, and the guy's just driving. They're, they're just kind of, you know, talking, and James is trying just whatever. He's thinking, oh, I hope this guy doesn't start witnessing to me or whatever, because he's just one of those Jesus freaks fanatics, you know. And, and the guy looked at him, and he said, you know, James, that's a pretty, pretty, pretty big drop-off, right? And, and, and James goes, yeah, it sure is. He goes, so if we were to go off this road, he goes, what would you say to God? And that statement, James tells a story. It was like something just drove all the way down. And he looked at the guy, and he's like, I'm lost. And the guy led him to Christ. That's how he got saved. That story was so good, I forgot why I even said it. Why am I saying these things? God will do anything to reach somebody. Right? I'd love to talk to the guy. I bet, I bet the guy was minding his own business. And, and the Holy Spirit just kind of nudged him. Go to James's house right now. Right? Look at this. He staggered not, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. How was he strong in faith? Giving glory to God. Worship is the highest form of prayer. Praise and worship, it's the highest form of everything. You want to walk by faith, you have to walk giving glory to God. So what does that, what does that mean? In your situation, I'm not faith, for faith to bring substance to something, I'm not looking at my circumstance, Right? I'm not going to let that dictate anything. I'm going to look at the word of God. And I'm, when I believe I receive, Father, I thank you. I believe I receive my healing. Now, I can't see it. I can't feel it. But I believed I've received. The Bible says, God says, I will have. So all that's left to do is to give glory to God. Right? Now, make it easier on yourself. Don't give glory to God in front of your family or your unbelieving family or your unbelieving friends. Not if, unless, I'm going to say until the Lord tells you to. You will have to take your faith public at some point. Right? But when you live this life and you're just always giving glory to God, You'll come public with your faith without even knowing it. It'll, it's just a flow. It's a flow. But you gotta, you know, I think I said this last time, 
whenever I'm facing something, I don't really, I, I don't tell people. I tell a few people, but I don't want to, is it because, well, you teach faith and you don't want anybody to know that you have s- symptoms? No, no, no. You know, to follow God, you have to become dead, deadened to the praise of men and the, and the persecution of men. But you don't need to walk into a room and have 25 people asking you how you feel if you're believing God for something, right? So, so this, see, how do you do all this? You, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all this. Looking at God's promise kept him strong in faith. Strong faith looks at the word of God, looks at the promise, and gives glory to God. That's, that's literally what strong faith does. Verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. So what do we do? We focus our attention on what he's done for us. What he's doing for me right now. That's what I focus on. What has Jesus done for me on the cross? What is he doing for me right now at the right hand of the Father as my intercessor, as my advocate, right? As my very high priest, as the one who's watching over the word. Jesus is watching over the word to perform it. And I think he could fix your kidney because he's holding the whole universe together. He can change a chemical imbalance that is a result that's causing depression or anxiety or something happen. He can change, he can balance out hormones. He can cleanse blood, right? He's holding the whole universe together. And yet his eyes are on you, the Bible says. I love that. Hebrews 4.14 says this, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. That Greek word means confession. It means to say the same thing. Because Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father, hold fast to say what he says. It's so important. In Proverbs 4.20, it says, My son... Attend to my words. Give my words first place, in other words. Attend to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Right? It goes on to say, let not my words depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. See, many are defeated in their prayer life because they don't see themselves having the answer. It is not when you do not let his words depart before your eyes, that you get results. See, you have to walk like this. To walk by faith, you have to walk like this. I keep his word ever before me. Now, in order to do that, I'm not going to hang around with certain people. If I'm facing something serious, I'm probably not going to hang out with them at all. Right? I mean, I have so many people that I know and I come in and out of their life that are not born again. I have, I have other people that are, are Christians, but they're not in church. Their life's kind of a mess. And I'm always there. I'm always the guy. I love on them, love on them, love on them. You know, the, they'll come back and then they'll, they'll mess up again. But I'm always the guy. I always tell them, hey, listen, I love you. Call me, right? Because I believe they'll get it right. But I got to tell you, when I'm in a battle, I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God. So, so I could go up, I could go up to Denise, and I know, I, hey, can you tell me how healed I am? Right? Can you tell me how the life of God is eradicating sickness and disease? Oh, yeah, I mean, she could go up. Pastor Elisa, we, I could go right down the line. We have to be careful the environment we get in, because this is so important. Because this is faith. And this is no faith, looking at anything else, right? Faith gives substance to the thing that you're hoping for. Hallelujah. See, it's when you don't let, don't let your eyes get off the word that you'll get results.
Because what creates the results? Not you. Your faith. Or I should say it correctly, the faith of God that is birthed in you. Right? It goes on to say in Proverbs 4.22, For they, my words, are life unto those that find them. See, this word find literally means to attain. It means to come to or arrive at because you're in motion. How do you find the word of God? You have to be a doer of it. You can't, you can, now you can, you can get to a point where you hear something in church, but you have to get up from church when that scripture, and when you leave, you meditate on that scripture so that now you apply it to your life, and while you're in motion, that's when it's life to those that find them, and it's health or medicine to all their flesh. Wow. This word health, health, it, it's a masculine noun in the Hebrew language. It, in, it indicates health, healing, and a remedy. It refers to the restoration, the cure, and the renewal of an illness. Isn't that amazing? To all their flesh. Aren't you glad? Because see, you might know something's going on in your body, but you believe God not only for that, but that his word is health to all of your flesh. So wouldn't it be great to get to heaven and find out you had some incurable disease that you got healed of, didn't even ever know you had it, right? Wouldn't even be better that when something tries to attack you, it just dies. Don't get down on yourself if you're on medicine, but don't stay there. Keep believing God. Keep feeding on the word. All of a sudden, go to your doctor and he's like, you know what? You know, I think we could back this off a little bit. I think we could back this off a little bit. Pretty soon he's going to look at you and go, you know, you don't need that anymore. Right? In order for God's word to be effective, it's got to be taken according to the directions, according to the prescription. Life from this scripture in Proverbs 4, life according to God's word is what? When we incline our ears and eyes to his word and put his word in our heart. That's what he says life is. Life is not driving a new car, living in a new house. Life is not going on a vacation. Life is where you keep your eyes, your ears, on the word of God, you keep it coming out of your mouth, and you walk in it, and now you'll experience life. That's what life is. I think God could define life, wouldn't, don't you think? Right? And Jesus came to give it to us. It is simply wrong thinking, wrong believing, wrong speaking that is what's defeating people. Wrong thinking, wrong believing, and wrong speaking is what defeats people. That's the only thing that could defeat Christians. Satan cannot defeat you unless you permit him to do so by believing wrong things, speaking wrong things, right? Acting on wrong things. He can't defeat you because he's already been defeated. In other words, we defeat ourselves. And I know if I, I mean, can I have a show of hands? How many of you want to be defeated? That's an easy one, isn't it? So the good news is you don't ever have to be defeated. Because literally God has already given you the victory. What does the Bible say is our victory? This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. I love that. God has given us his word to get our thinking straightened out. This causes us to get our believing straightened out. And see, when, you're, when your thinking and your believing is right, guess what? Your, your mouth will be right. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. The power of the tongue. That word means power but it also means direction. It also means hand. Your tongue will hand you things. So don't let your tongue hand you death. Don't let your tongue take you backwards, right? 
We, we speak life. Real faith in God simply says about yourself what the word says. That's, that's literally, that's how faith will bring substance to everything. In other words, I am who the word says I am. I have what the word says I have. I can do what the word says I can do. You know, you hear so many preachers preach that. It just flows. But I'm telling you, we need to walk around. That's not just a really cool saying that gets you a little riled up. No, in church, no, that's how you walk around. You look in the mirror and say, I am who God says I am. And he says, I'm healed. I have what God says I have, that he's already provided healing for me, right? I can do what he says I can do. And, and his, he says I can do all things. Real faith is built on the word, so we must meditate on the word of God. We meditate in it day and night. This will build into your spirit, man, confidence to lay hold of things. So let's go real quick, Mark chapter 5. I just want to read real quick, Mark chapter 5, verse 25. I want to read this story. Mark chapter 5, verse 25, about the woman with the issue of blood. I want you to see an example, because this is a really good example of a person's faith bringing substance to their healing. So, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. So her blood would hemorrhage for 12 years. It was called a plague. I don't know if I'm going to have time to go to this last. I have something in my notes that's really cool. But I don't think I might, I might not have time. Let me see. Where is that at? We'll see. All right. So Mark chapter 5, verse 25. So she has this condition for 12 years. Verse 26. And she suffered many things of many physicians. She was nothing better, but rather grew worse. So she kept going to doctor and specialist and doctor and specialist. And she's spending everything that she had. And she was still growing worse. Wow. So kind of a hopeless condition. When she had heard of Jesus, well, what would she have heard? Who went about teaching, preaching, and healing. She heard about multitudes going to him and, and literally being healed. So this lady had heard of Jesus. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press and touched his garments, for she said... In other words, when she heard something, she chose to believe it and caused her to act. I mean, you think about this. Jesus is going through this little town, and there's a multitude of people thronging him. In other words, people are trying to get to touch him. They're thronging him, and now you have a lady. If any of you ladies have ever had any kind of hemorrhaging with blood, you know it wipes you out. You're tired all the time. So here's this little Jewish lady. She hears of Jesus and she knows, I've heard he's healing. This is the Messiah. The, word, the Old Testament says that Messiah will come with healing in his wings. Man, if I could just touch, that's the, that's the little tassels that hang off his prayer shawl. If I could just touch the hem, it was called the hem of a garment. If I could touch it, I know I'll be whole. She kept saying that over and over and over. It, when she heard of Jesus, when she heard, she believed enough to act on it. She had to make the step of believing and acting on it in order to know. Right? In order, and what I mean by no is to have it in her body. So here's this lady. Have you ever been in a crowd? Man, if you ever, in, in the 80s, if you wanted to put your life on the line, I think I worked out all the time so that I could actually go to a Brother Copeland meeting or a Brother Hagen meeting because people would get there hours early 
And when they would open the doors, these wonderful men and women of God will run you over to get the best seat. I mean, they will trample you, you know? And, and, and we needed to work on our love walk in that, but wow, right? But that's the way people are when they're trying to get to somebody. Have you ever noticed that? Well, this lady's fighting through a crowd because she knows, she says, if I can just touch the hem of that garment, I'll be made whole. That's amazing. So she's in faith, right? And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body she was healed of that plague. So when she, when she, did, when she heard something, she started saying something. Why did she start saying something? Because she believed it. So she fights through the crowd, she touches the hem of his garment, and instantly she feels that this thing inside of her is dried up, that she is, she's healed of this. She knows she is. The power of God hits her. And all of a sudden, this thing she's expecting to happen actually happened. And she knows in other words, her healing substance came to it and her, it changed her body, right? So let's keep reading here. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, that, that word means power, had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples said unto him, you're seeing the multitude thronging you and, and you're saying, who touched me? And he looked around. See, no doubt, he didn't even know who did it. But now, then it says, he looked around to see her that had done this thing. No doubt, by that time, the Spirit of God said, it's a woman. So he's turning around looking, right? So, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Now that probably took a while because she probably went back 12 years and I went to this doctor and I took this medicine and I went here. You know, she told him the whole thing, right? Now look at, look at this. Now this is what's really awesome. It says, and he said to her, I love this. Have you ever had anybody telling you all the truth? As a pastor, they're talking to you. And you're like, I have 19 things I've got to do right now. Do you know that's not Jesus? He literally stood there, right? And just because he loves people. And he just waited till she was done. And then he responded to her. We can't miss that part. Because I'm talking to a bunch of ministers, end time church ministers right now. We value people. We value people that we mesh with and we kind of like to be around, but we value all people, even the ones that maybe are a little awkward and they don't really mesh with us very much. Why? Because they're the precious fruit of the earth. But look at how Jesus answered her. I love this. And he said unto her, daughter. In other words, daughter of Abraham. Right? Daughter, your faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. He called it a plague, what she was facing. Be whole, it's the Greek word mastigos. It literally means something that will come upon somebody and then it'll get better to kind of give them a little hope and then it'll come back on them. It's, it's, it's the Greek word when they would take a prisoner they would beat this prisoner to the point of death. And then they would put him like in a hospital room and mend his wounds and, and mend him all up. And when he finally recovered, right when he recovered, they'd rip everything off of him, rip him out of bed, take him and beat him again to the point of death. And then they'd go heal his wound. They just wanted to torture him. That's, what, that's the Greek word that was used for this issue of blood. He said, be whole. I can't wait to meet this lady. I bet all the money she gave, all the money she lost came back. 
right? Everybody would have known this lady. I mean, she was cut off. She, do you realize she put her life on the line? See, this is why faith, you're firmly persuaded. She was unclean, and the, the, the person, the, the leader in the synagogue was standing next to Jesus, Jairus. He was probably the guy that pronounced her unclean. She could have been legally stoned right there in the street, but she didn't care. She's like, I gotta get to Jesus. She, w- she was so persuaded, firmly persuaded, that what she heard was true. And that's her faith literally changed her body. 